welcome to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that changed their lives. And then, if we're lucky, they give us a glimpse into some aspect of their creative process. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and in this episode, we're going to be hearing from two sets of creative partners. First, we'll hear from Killer Mike and LP from the hip-hop supergroup Run the Jewels, and then we'll hear from Sarah Castro and Matt Parmenter of the Austin band Bell Curve. And, like, I'm super interested in how individuals, like two separate beings with separate experiences, find ways to connect and create. And for musicians, a shared love of music is often the starting point for a collaboration. So let's get started with Killer Mike and LP from Run the Jewels. They're both rappers in their own right with their own careers. And in 2013, they joined forces to create Run the Jewels. They make this hip hop that's like smart and challenging and also makes you want to dance. And they came to Austin or should I say they came to the Austin area for Sound on Soundfest. Sound on Soundfest is this new festival from the folks who used to run Fun 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 Fest, and they held it out at the Renaissance Fairgrounds in McDade, Texas, which is like a half hour away from Austin. Anyway, it was really cool. And while Run the Jewels was at Sound on Soundfest, they sat down with Jack Anderson backstage and told him about a couple of songs that changed their lives, you know, like we do. But that was really just the tip of their musical iceberg, because what they ended up talking about was this like wide range of music that influences them both. And some of this music, I think, will surprise you. It certainly surprised me. So here they are. Run the jewels. I can go first. Um, the one that pops to mind is the first time that I heard Beautiful Ones by Prince. And I think it was actually in the context of the movie, of Purple Rain the movie. I didn't actually know what Prince looked like until that movie. I had already had 1999 and I was already listening to it. I was probably about 10 years old. And I just remember, I remember seeing the movie and seeing Beautiful Ones and I had never seen anybody do what he did. understand it really of course because it was a little above my head but I just knew that that man was singing some of the most important you know he was saying something that was incredibly important and it, and it swept me up it blew me away it made me want to quicken the pace to become an adult so that I could understand writing like that and so that I could be on a stage and I could somehow convey whatever it was that he was conveying that was so clearly from him and his soul, and that was affecting me, a little kid who really didn't know what the hell he was talking about. Paint a perfect picture. Bring to life a vision in one's mind. 
So was it more the lyrics, the performance, the visual, everything? The whole thing, the yeah. Whole that's what I was saying. Like, I saw the video, so it was like, it was the, it was the lyrics. It was the 10, something like that. Wasn't that, isn't that right? About yeah, that we was about, yeah, about it was 10. It's like 85, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that, that, that makes about sense for me, yeah. Mike, what about you? Um, for me, it's a lot of records that have kind of pushed me forward and grew me up, but I think a guy who doesn't get his credit, who deserves one, is, you know, kind of we look at Ice-T now as just an actor and as an old guy who used to be a rapper, he's cool, but, like, when I was 11 years old, this record called Six in the Morning came out. Six in the morning, police at my door. Fresh Adidas squeak across the bathroom floor. Out my back window, I took my escape. Didn't even get a chance to grab my old school tape. You know, at, at that time, you know, people hadn't really described what was happening with the drug war and with like neighborhoods kind of going crazy with an influx. And when I heard six in the morning, police at my door, fresh Adidas squeaking across the bathroom floor, it was just like, whoa, like it was like live reporting from what I was seeing as a kid and I couldn't process. So, I, you know, I, I, I remember my uncle asked to borrow my tape. And he didn't return it, so I spazzed out about it. And my dad drove me to Turtles on Buford Highway to buy it. And I was just like, whoo, we got it. And then my dad was like, play it. Let's see what you've been Rest making all these turtles. Yeah, exactly. Rest in peace of turtles. But my old man played it. I thought he was going to take the tape and not let me hear. But me and him ended up listening to the record and kind of just talking about how the world was going crazy. Didn't know what the cops wanted, didn't have time to ask. Six in the morning by Ice T really like it kind of transformed how I looked at rap music. Before then, you know, rap music was it was a, a, an escape, a getaway. It was fun. That 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 record really opened up the possibilities of for me spitting reality. Well, right. I mean, everybody talks about '90s hip hop and gangster rap, but yeah, when yeah. that happened, that was called reality rap. When yeah, it came exactly, out, like exactly. Nine Millimeter goes bang, KRS One, exactly. and, and yeah, exactly. Just ice, reality KRS rap. One. They're just talking about exactly. the streets and not like exactly. a gangster, like I'm thug. But they're like, this is what's happening. This on is the what's streets. happening. Exactly. Live, live and direct. When you're 10 years old, 11 years old, it's, it's no kind of way opening. Yeah, it's no way to explain. Everybody in the neighborhood got burglar bars at the same time like like all the houses you had usually just walked past but take burglar barred up within a week and you were like what in the world is going on and those records help understand it better oh, and you had the best choice man yours was you had a hard you had a hard pit <laughs> it came right back around to rap music all i had was prince in a frilly shirt blowing my mind <laughs> but prince is the illest though he's the illest it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna age enough to understand <laughs> how this guy feels this way that's, I feel that though. That was a great one. But so that said, do you guys still listen to that stuff when you guys are absolutely, touring, when you're absolutely, writing music? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. We listen to NWA a lot actually when yeah. we were making our records. That was one of our references. So therefore, to make more, a 15 year old black kid go and rob a liquor store and get shot in the process. He ate up a nine bullet nice put the rest. We listen to Prince. May not know where I'm going, baby. Definitely, we grew up in exactly the same time. Yeah. Basically exactly the same age, within a month of each other. So. You're walking around the jewels, you know, us recording in the morning. You're walking the marijuana and Almond Brothers whipping post playing. Good Lord, how 
next day you'll you'll you know it's it's Prince in the Revolution. Flash. It's up to you not to be the caller. I don't want to die. Yeah, we just love music, so. But even even just what you said, Devo, the class, Prince of Revolution, they're all people who are talking about, even, I mean, Purple Rain is kind of a metaphor for what's happening on the streets, yeah. e even if it is very uh, purple of yeah. an interpretation <laughs> of it. Yeah, I mean, everything that happened, you know, at that time, there was a visceral thing to it that, that connected to that a bit, even if it wasn't direct. Yeah. You know, we grew up in an age where the music was a result of it, if not, if not speaking directly to it, you know? Certainly the class were directly speaking to things that even when I, you know, when I was a kid, I was like, even when you hear music like that and you don't understand it because you don't have a perspective yet, it, it cues you into the fact that there is something you don't Something's understand. going on. Well, exactly. the The idea behind those music is kind of a it's a, an awareness. Yeah, you absolutely. know, it, it's bring awareness not even through lyrics, but through an energy. Be it Expression, rap, hip hop, funk, R and B, punk, anything like that. Yeah. So it seems like you guys you guys are kind of unified by a kind of urban awareness. Would that kind of make sense? Like kind of like an awareness, like a lyrics and kind of energy on the streets are kind of sure. But we're also unified by just a general love for something raw. And yeah. I think that a lot of the music that we gravitate towards, be it soul music or be it, you know, or, or be it rock music or rap music, it's me and Mike definitely appreciate the raw aspects of, of that expression, yeah. you know? Like I like Southern rock for the same reason I like rap. I like outlaw country music for the same reason. You know, when I heard the Country Music Awards where, like, Aggie with, um, fans got Aggie with Beyonce, I was like, that's so whack. You know, I was like, country music used to be so badass, man. Like, right. I grew up Hank in the Williams. South, so yeah, yeah, you know, you grew up watching Hank. Don't move it on over. Move it on over. Move it on over. Move it on over. You grew up Willie. We were headed home to Austin, caught pneumonia on the road. Taking it home to Connie and the kid. We you know what I mean? You grew up Johnny Cash. City jail, city jail. Like an old scared dog that took my tail. I hung my head. Waylon Jennings. Old Hank made it here. We're all sure that you will, but I don't think Hank done it this way. It has an attitude or a swagger. Kenny Rogers. I like Kenny. I, the Gambler is still one of the best ever. Yeah, he has a facelift though. He looks like a lion now. God bless his soul. Yeah. You got to know when to hold him. Know when to fold up. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. You never count. Well, I mean, hey, you mentioned BDP, right? I mean, BDP yeah. was BDP was formative. Yep. Schooly D. It was Saturday night and I was feeling kind of sporty. Went to the bar, caught me a forty. Got kind of high and uh, kind of drunk, so I kicked the ass of this little punk. Forgot my. Keys.
just ice. For the mic, no sense, no sense, no sense. Just listen till the gangster, and I will convince all. All that my power of speech. The title of the gangster, they try to impeach, but um, it is. The whole Def Jam roster really. Once upon a time, not long ago, when people wore pajamas and lived life slow, when laws were stern and justice stood, and people were behaving like they ought to good. Also, run the jewels. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, sorry, not run the jewels. Run DMC. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. I broke the one rule. Don't talk about yourself. Run DMC was a big one. It was a fight. I almost picked them. You know. Yeah, we go on stage and we are channeling Run DMC in a Straight up. serious way. Here's the thing about Run DMC. Run DMC were the first rappers who were superstars who were dressed like normal people. Yep. Until then, you as if you were if you were famous, you like you wore a costume. Grandmaster Flash. Yeah. Grandmaster Flash. Red, red yeah, jumpsuit. it was dope, yeah. but it was still like my it's mom corny. rap. That was yeah, like exactly, my mom exactly. rap. You just yeah. looked like a from the future, you know. Yeah. Um, you know. And, but Run DMC were in denim jackets and Lee, and, and Lee jeans and Adidas. And all of a sudden, that for me, that was the big moment for me in hip hop in New York. Because I was like, man, I, you can I, do this. Like, I could do that. It be feeling like the life that I'm living, man, I don't control. Every day I'm in a fight for my soul. Could it be that my medicine's the evidence for pigs to stop and frisk me when they rolling around on patrol? And ask why you're here. I just tell them because it is what it is. I live here and that what it is. He chime, you got a dime. I say, man, I'm trying to smoke and chill. Please don't lock me up in front of my kid. And in front of my wife, man, they ain't got a gun and a knife. You do this and you ruin my life. And I apologize if it seems like I got out of line, sir, because I respect the badge and the gun. And I pray the day ain't the day that you drag me away right in front of my beautiful son. And he still put my hands in, cup, put me in the truck when my woman screen said shut up witches with the camera on us saw the cop pull a gun and put it on my gorgeous queen as i peered out the window i could see my other kids okay and hear my little boys scream as he ran toward the cop back and i heard his mama cuz he had a face down on the ground and i be much too weak to ever speak what i've seen but my life changed with that sound and this is early from run the jewels second record run the jewels 2 and when i first heard this song like it stopped me in my tracks I mean, talk about reality rap. I, I heard it around the time that the press started really covering police shootings of unarmed black men. And for me, it was like the experience that Killer Mike had when he heard Six in the Morning. It, it helped me focus and process something that was happening in the world, but that I was having trouble understanding. And seriously, did you expect LP and Killer Mike to give shout outs to like country music in their interview? I did not, but it makes sense. I mean, they're attracted to music that's raw and present. And I mean, old school country music can get you there the same way that The Clash can get you there, the same way that NWA can get you there and, and Prince can get you there. And I hear that rawness, those unfiltered rough edges all throughout Run the Jewels music. If you liked the story you just heard about musical connection, then please take a minute, head to iTunes or Stitcher or the podcast app or wherever you get your podcast and take a moment to become a This Song subscriber. That way you'll get next week's episode with Tegan and Sarah and Jen Wasner from Y Oak and Flock of Dimes delivered right to you. And while you're there, you can peruse our archives and hear other stories of musical connection like Riza and Paul Banks talking about their shared love of Leonard Cohen or... Amelia Meath and Nick Sanborn from Sylvanesso talking about how they connected around the music of soul coughing. And, you know, if you're there perusing and subscribing, then 
We'd also love it if you left a rating or a review. Ratings and reviews help us in lots of ways. They help people find us in the vast landscape of iTunes. And honestly, they make everyone on the This Song team feel really, really good. Okay, now on to Sarah Castro and Matt Parmenter from the Austin band Bell Curve. They're a relatively new band here in town consisting of Sarah and Matt and drummer Michael Peters, guitarist Blue Mangion, and KUTX's own Deidre Gott. And if you've heard this podcast before, then you have heard Deidre's name mentioned because Deidre books all the music here at KUTX and helps out with this podcast so much. She also has a lovely voice and sings with bell curve. They just released their new EP, Nighttime, and right around the time they were finishing up the record, Sarah and Matt came into KUTX, the radio station where we make this podcast, and told me about the music they connected around when they were first starting Bell Curve. And for them, as for Killer Mike and LP, that music really helped them develop their shared point of view. So here they are, Sarah Castro and Matt Parmenter. Okay, so what brought me together with Matt, I suppose, is a couple different artists, Kathleen Edwards, PJ Harvey, and and Tom Waits. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it's because Kathleen Edwards has this like melodicness that she does, but there's a grit to her voice. And then there's a lot of weirdness that PJ Harvey and, and Tom Waits had. So that's yeah. that's what's been on my mind for the last couple years in relationship to what I've kind of wanted to do with this project. Is there a particular period that you go to with either, each of those artists' work? Tom Waits, I guess. Um, I mean, he has so many like periods of Tom Waits. Is there any particular period that you, either one of you, hone in on? The junkyard period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Mule Variations, I think, was the first one that I really dug into, but there were, like, and then I went back and kind of backfilled my uh, my knowledge of him with prior uh, prior albums, and I think the, it was, like, strange production and, like, a lot of really weird things being stacked on, and, and uh, clearly there was somebody, whether it was a producer or whether it was Tom Waits himself, who was, who was like, we have to just drag in everything that we found out and back and hit it <laughs> right you know yeah in time mostly yeah and uh and it's gonna add to you know like the the spooky you know sort of i always think of it as a, sort of a, like a, a new orleans 
you know, like swamp skeleton-y kind of sound. It's like, it's like rusty, but really clear at the same time. PJ Harvey, what what kind of PJ Harvey are you? Are are you guys? I was uh, I was specifically referencing the little fish, big fish. Yeah. Because like. At the end of the song, you can hear her just kind of go off on this weird, like, nobody stopped her. <laughs> it's, just like, it's like, I'm going to just get stranger and stranger as the song fades out. <laughs> and uh, I really appreciate that. You know. The songs that you brought to Matt, were they inspired a lot by Kathleen Edwards? Uh, Kathleen Edwards more because uh-huh. of her, her, her storytelling and the way that her voice tells the story. And she, she talks about where she, she writes about weird things. Like there's a song that she writes called Alice. Uh, is it Allison or Alice? And it's about a, a, a girl who was murdered in her backyard by her neighbor. Oh. And it's it's this it's a song in in the perspective of her of the of the deceased. Mm-hmm. He pulled me so hard off my very own back doorsteps, and he laid me in his garden. storytelling that she does that I really enjoy and the pictures that that she creates with her 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 words do you bring that storytelling aspect that you're that Kathleen Edwards has is that what you kind of go for when you're writing songs like a sometimes Mm -hmm. sometimes um sometimes I will write like that but I tend to just write in pictures PJ Harvey and Tom Waits those are those are the artists that I look to for sounds and and kind of an oddness. I guess uh, one of the first conversations that we had was, you know, the last thing I want to do is another singer-songwriter. And, you know, like just just being like, you know, female singer songwriter with acoustic guitar is like there's so many of those. And like, you know, like given the opportunity, I feel like just about every person who's kind of in that singer songwriter pocket would would take the opportunity to 
build something bigger, stranger, more unusual, like, you know, just, I, I guess I think of it as like, <clears throat> if, if you have the vision to be something more weirder or whatever, then that's, that's where, that's where I have the best time, you know, like expressing my own, like excitement with like, Hey, these, you know, I can combine like classic sounds with really weird sounds and, and find a way to put them together so that they, um, so that they make something that, you know, conveys the song still, and maybe even gives the song a different, like a different set of pictures, but, um, yeah, but it's, it's, it's something a lot more than just the, the words and the chords. It sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, is melodic songwriting coupled mm-hmm. with weird production. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, which is a nice way to do things. Yeah. Because yeah. at the core of it, you have songs that stand on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then... Yeah. But then you've got some interesting stuff around it. Right. Yeah. And I've, yeah, I've been doing production long enough that I feel like I can find a fine line between weird... And still, like, sonically palatable. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What I'm getting is that Bell Curve, for you guys, is a real collaboration. Mm -hmm. Like an actual collaboration where you guys are creating these between your writing Mm -hmm. and your production and the agreement on what that is. You guys are creating kind of these... Snippets of art. Yeah. 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 It's almost as if we think think a thought at the same time and then we we are like, oh, yeah, that's... That's what needs to happen. is Fish to the Hand That Feeds Me from Bell Curve's Nighttime EP. And yeah, Kathleen Edwards, PJ Harvey, and Tom Waits, I definitely hear all of those in this song and on the rest of the EP. It's like the three artists really helped Sarah and Matt understand what Bell Curve was or what it was going to be. They established a creative vocabulary for the project and that vocabulary was shared with the rest of the band and it helped Five totally different people create something together, which is cool. I'll have links to Run the Jewels tour dates on the This Sound page for this episode. I mean, they're probably coming to your town sometime next year. Actually, I think Run the Jewels 3, their new record, is set to come out pretty soon. So I'll post a couple of tracks from Run the Jewels 3 that they've released already so that you can kind of get a sense of what's to come. I'll also have links to Bell Curve's tour dates in case you're in Austin and want to check them out. And if you heard any snippets of songs that intrigued you during this episode and you want to hear the full songs, then you can check out our Spotify playlist for this episode. There you'll find all the songs that we referenced all the way through. That's it. You have come to the end of another episode of This Song. 
This song is a production of KUTX 98.9 in Austin, Texas. This episode was produced and edited by Jack Anderson, David Sanger, and me, Elizabeth McQueen, with help from Art Levy. The interview with Run the Jewels was recorded by Jack Anderson, and the interview with Belker was recorded by me. And speaking of Jack Anderson, who interviewed Run the Jewels, you can hear him every Saturday morning on KUTX from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then you can hear me from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And then you can hear Taylor Wallace, who curates our Instagram account and does a killer job from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Yeah, Saturdays on KTX are awesome. Thanks to Kelly Seal, our excellent intern, and thanks to Deidre Gott and Peter Babb for all they do for this podcast. And it is the truth. Our theme song is Mahout by Austin's own Hard Proof. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. Our handle is at this song, KUTX. You can like us on Facebook and you can subscribe to this song along with the other KUTX podcasts, Austin Music Minute, Liner Notes, and Song of the Day on iTunes. Right on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. <laughs>